0: for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. He's got it. 9-8-4. A world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal. A perfect score. 10.0 for Dasha Camonese. A perfect score. The first time I've ever seen it.
1: In over 100 years, nobody's
0: won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight, and setting a world record: 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again today for another interview and very exciting times today as we return to the sport of shooting and our first ever rapid fire pistol shooter, Sergei Evglevsky is a shooter who competed in Tokyo, funnily enough, and a fascinating chat here learning about how he got involved in in the sport his family history uh, an esteemed family history his mother bronze medalist at the sydney olympics and a six-time olympian so great stock that he comes from and just fascinating chat learning a little bit more about the sport his experiences in tokyo bit of a viral tiktok star is sergey so we learn a little bit more about that and some fun stories about the village in tokyo about sharing an elevator with some very prominent australian olympians and uh Sharing a bit of a joke with them—it's a—it's a fun story which I know you will enjoy. So, without further ado, here is our chat with Tokyo Olympian Sergey Evdyshev. Good five years since we spoke to somebody on this show from the sport of shooting. That person was Catherine Skinner, fresh off a gold medal from the Rio Olympics, and of course Catherine competes in trap shooting. Now we have never spoken to somebody from the 25 meter rapid pistol. It's been an event that's always fascinated me. I've always been interested in how it works and how you get involved in it. And our guest today, not only are they involved in it, not only are they competed in it, not only are they back recently from the Olympics. They are part of, I guess, a family business, I almost want to say, in terms of uh, not only competing in the sport, but an Olympic tradition, which is uh, very, very fascinating. Our guest today is Sergey Evglevsky, and he's with me now to talk a little bit more about that. First of all, Sergei, uh, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to chat with you on off the podium today.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And really, uh, well, well done with the pronunciation of the name. No one did nail that, so that was really good, yeah.
0: I, I, I would like to sit here and say I'm really good at name pronunciation and I got it in one go, but I won't lie. I did write it down phonetically and I did watch several YouTube videos of other interviews <laughs> to make sure that I did get it correct because I am woeful at name pronunciations. So, therefore, I need to practice to sound smart every now and then. So No, it sounds it really good, yeah. Good. Good. I'll probably end up calling you like, you know, Sam Smith by the end of this. I don't know if <laughs> I'll just I'll completely uh, fall out of the way there with that one. But I I love your story. I love kind of learning your background in the sport and, as I said, kind of almost like a – family tradition because your mum's a bit of a legend in the sport isn't she so this is sort of uh, something that I guess you you grew up around and uh, couldn't really avoid but uh, I mean was it always a case of just looking at your mum obviously your dad involved in the sport and kind of just fell into it that way or is it just something that you thought well this is cool no matter what I I, want to give shooting a go
1: yeah I mean it'd be hard to say if I did shooting if my parents were involved like uh, I I would like to think that I would have stuck to shooting if my parents were involved but who knows? Um, my parents definitely got me involved uh, majorly when I was younger. They knew that I would be interested in it and they knew that I would love to do it. So they just pushed me into it. And um, yeah, and the rest is history.
0: It must be a pretty cool thing to say that your parents are shooters and like, you know, they let you play with guns basically from a young age. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's pretty cool thing to tell your friends at school, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I used to love uh, bragging about it when I was younger. Um Ask other
1: kids, like, hey, what does your dad do? I oh, am, yeah, well, my dad's a gunsmith. My mom's an Olympic shooter. And I just, <laughs> I wouldn't even know, like, what that meant at the time because I was, like, five or six years old. I would just be like, oh, yeah, mama shoots guns. And then, like, teachers would ask me, like, so what do they actually do? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they shoot guns. And then, like, in teacher interviews, they would ask them, hey, like, Sergey's running around the school telling me, will you shoot guns? Like, what's to go there? <laughs> and, then, and then they have to explain themselves. And the teachers were like, oh, okay, yep. Yeah. That's understandable because back then the the incident stuff wasn't a big thing back then, you know. Yeah. So they would never just like look it up on the phone quickly, be like let's (laughs) get on about. Um. But yeah, there. So uh, it was it was pretty cool experience growing up with um, shooters as parents as well because such a unique sport as well.
0: I can imagine your mum would just bring a bronze medal to a parent like here you go like this is this is what I do you know Olympic medal (laughs) you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, she was always pretty casual about it as well. Like she never really. Even showed me much of the medals until like I was asking about it, and I was like, "Oh, hey, mum, when, where's your Olympic medal?" And she's like, "Oh, it's um, it's over there if you want to go get it." And then like, you know, <laughs> where's your, where's your Commonwealth Games gold medals? Where are your World Cup medals? And be like, "Oh, they're um, down there. Like, the World Cup ones are in the cupboard. Commonwealth <laughs> Games are down down the corridor if you want to go have a look." Yeah, it was just so, it was just so casual about it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of just you know like oh where's the photo albums oh yeah, where where are the medals there they are just yeah you know exactly right yeah kind of, kind of sitting there because you were you were what three when your mum won a medal in Sydney is is that correct I would have been three yeah I would have been two or three so which, do you have any memory of of your mum going off as a three year old to compete in an Olympic games Nah,
1: no memory unfortunately. I do remember because we used to live in Canberra, so at the time of the Sydney Olympics, we lived in Canberra, and um, I have like a little bit of memories from Canberra, but nothing Olympic-related.
0: Wow. Wow. That's crazy to think. I mean, do you at least have a memory then that first time you were able to to hold a gun and then kind of the first memory of, of shooting a gun? And what age? Like, is it sort of an age-restricted sport where you, you're not allowed to pick up a gun and start shooting until a certain age?
1: I mean, like, yeah, so with pistol shooting, it's when you're 13 years old, that's when you can get your gun licence. You can get your junior one and then that's, you do that with an adult. And then, you know, as you get older, um, you get uh, pro- a probation license and then you get your full loss when you turn 18. Um, but then in saying that though, I was definitely younger when I first had a shot, like on a farm kind of thing, you know, just out, out in the back kind of thing. Um, I think I was like 11 or 10, something like that. Like my first time, you know, holding a rifle, holding a shotgun, but then properly shooting a pistol, like in the Olympic style events, I was 13 years old and like the proper discipline about it, you know, having fun and stuff in the backyard. I was like, yeah, 11, 12, but proper discipline proper on targets and everything like that was when I was 13 years old
0: is it a case too when it comes to choosing a discipline obviously your mum was involved in, in pistol like you know a bit of the tradition going on that side of things but is there sort of a much of a thought process and maybe doing something more involved with a rifle sort of like a trap I mean kind of is that something that shooters often you know have to make that decision early and stick with it or is there sort of much where you could easily if you wanted to tomorrow go to trap switch over and do a different discipline in shooting
1: Um. I think if anything, if anything's stopping you, it's the financial aspect because shotguns, a top quality shotgun, is quite expensive. If you want, if I wanted to, for example, switch over to trap, you know, you can't. I mean, you could borrow someone else's for a bit, and then if you like it, buy your own. But in saying that, like a minimum is like six thousand dollars to get like a really good, you know, Beretta Parazzi kind of style shotgun, um, which are styles, uh, which are brands. Sorry, I should specify. Um, they're the ones that use it at the Olympics. But if you want if I wanted to move over to rifle, for example, I'd have to get a rifle suit, which they use, and then buy a rifle as well. Um, where pistol's probably the easiest one to get into. Because a pistol, you can get a good secondhand pistol for a couple hundred dollars. That's just like a really good entry level one. Um, and then keep getting better, keep up upgrading. And then the the best pistol you can get, like the one that I use, they're probably only about three thousand dollars three thousand to three and a half thousand dollars where if you compare that to the other events it's not too expensive
0: is it a case that you have that pistol then for all your competitions like your lucky pistol that you kind of take or is it sort of dependent on the events so like say for example was the the pistol you use at the olympics the same one that you use at the commonwealth games or does it kind of sort of alternate between events
1: yeah 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 um so yes and no for example so use a pistol for what event you Participate in. So obviously 10 meter air pistol, you use an air pistol. You don't use a pistol like mine because mine has, mine's a 22 caliber pistol. It's a rimfire one. It's a different kind of thing. But uh, my pistol rapid fire is designed a bit different compared to other events, compared to another 25 meter event that women shoot. My triggering, which is the trigger on the pistol, it's built a little bit different. There's a bit of a different, um, I guess, pull with it. Uh, but in saying that though, like it is the same gun I used at the Commonwealth Games and I've got two of those. I've got one as a spare just in case and then mine is my main one. And I've just been, yeah, been using it for like the last like five, six years now.
0: Wow. So it yeah. I mean, basically it's like a lucky pistol then. It's kind of been, been with you as part of you almost there. So yeah, okay, kind just,
1: yeah, exactly right. I think it's, it's always like a car. Like you've got to service it every once in a while, you know, clean it, service it, um, change the barrel on it. <laughs> and That's it. And you're good to go and you can have that gun for like 10 years.
0: Wow, and do you give it a name? Do you? you, you go I don't that have a name.
1: No, I really should. I can't. I'm trying to think of something like it's like a pun as well, but I can't really think of anything. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something funny, but then I could do like something simple, like like Carl or Dave or something.
0: Yeah, or Ben. Ben's a good name. You know, ben is a good name. Yeah, firing Ben off at uh, the the target. <laughs> Make Ben an Olympian. You know, bring bring him along to uh to Paris along those ways. When when you obviously start though and kind of competing and moving through the ranks, is it? a pressure point that you kind of you've got this stock that you're coming from that kind of you're almost e- expected to do well because of who your mum and who you, who your dad are or is it kind of a, a case of put that behind you and, and form your own identity because you are you and you don't need to kind of live off the the name as such
1: yeah I think I had a bit of both um so when I first started competing internationally the first things my parents told me were um you know there's going to be people that know you there's going to be people that know your name and our name um and it's going to be coaches just anyone really it's going to come up to you and be like hey like i've known you since you were like this small like you know i hope you shoot as well as your mom I hope you shoot as well as your dad and so on and i didn't believe it at first because i'm just like well like you know they're not going to do that who like why, why does it matter to them who i am but then they did like i had a lot of russian coaches ukrainian coaches estonian lithuanian literally all the european countries come up to me and be like oh i remember you when you were this small, like, you know, I hope you shoot as well as your mom, like, you know, the day before my event. And that did put a little bit of pressure on me. mean, I started realizing that, okay, the name does exist in the shooting world, Um, but I want to create my own name. Like you said, you know, I don't want to be Sergei. That's a shooter. That's Lolita's son. I want to be, you know, Sergei, who's as well as a good shooter as Lolita was, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and when you sort of then make your first, uh, I guess, national team and you're out there competing, I mean, what's that kind of like in that moment when you are creating that name for yourself? I mean, at that point, again, you're always going to be your mother's son, but, I mean, you've made that there on your own talent, your own skill, and, and you're out there representing a sport that you obviously love enough to make it to that point.
1: Yeah, I think the good thing about shooting is that you definitely, you need the skill, you need the talent to go somewhere with it. You can't just be you know, someone's kid and then, like, make a team. Like, it's definitely not like that. I don't think it's like that in a lot of sports, really, but this is a sport that's it's definitely, like, if you've got it, you've got it kind of thing. Like, there's a lot of people that have been shooting for years and years, and I just unfortunately just can't get to that next level. And um, I was lucky enough to get to that next level, you know, make an Olympic team, make a Commonwealth Games team, win a Commonwealth Games medal. So, yeah, like, it's just one of those things where I keep, pushing and keep trying and then you eventually become your own shooter
0: you first competed on the international stage 2015 you, you got some medals at the uh junior and open oceana titles in both the 10 meter air pistol and the 25 meter rapid fire pistol is it mm-hmm. is that something that's common amongst shooters to kind of alternate between is it kind of like say like a swimming like if you're going to do the 100 and the 200 that you can easily just go okay i'm going to do the 10 meter air pistol and the 25 meter rapid or is it sort of more generally people are focusing on one over the other
1: It's, I would say you are a very, very, very good and disciplined person and shooter to be able to shoot both at a high international level. I think there were only like two or three shooters that shot both rapid fire and air pistol at the Olympics this year. Um, it's, they're very, very different events I would, I would compare it to like a hundred meter sprinter being in the 1500 meter. Wow. It's just, yeah, because air pistol, you're standing in the same spot for an hour and 15 minutes shooting one at a time at the same target. Rapid fire, you're standing there. Uh, you're standing in the same spot, but you're shooting at five different targets in different time sequences. So five shots in eight seconds, five shots in six seconds, five shots in four seconds, and then you go. You're done in like you know, 15, 20 minutes. So the mentality of air pistol shooters and rapid fire pistol shooters are very different. So to be able to do both at an international level like level and to be good at both is is pretty amazing
0: so what's that like then at your first international event doing both and then meddling in both like that that's pretty incredible to be able to do that in your first international competition yeah. such a dis- discrepancy like you're saying
1: i think i think i was able to do it because i think when i was shooting the air pistol i was a junior i think from what i remember and then shooting the men's uh shooting the 25 meter rapid fire i was either a junior or a senior as well so i think i was able to kind of separate the two you know, the Air Pistol one, I kind of viewed it as more of a fun event and kind of just relax and take it easy because it wasn't my main event, you know? So it's just no pressure, just have fun out there. And I ended up having, you know, great fun because I meddled. But then the rapid fire is the event I take seriously. And I'm like, okay, you know what? If this is your event. You got to, you know, be confident, do what you can.
0: What is it about that that sort of made it your, your event? Was it just something around the, the mental aspect that you kind of just drew yourself more towards the 25 metre? Was it just something you felt you were more talented in? I mean, was there something in particular that you favoured over the 10 metre?
1: Um, I think literally just, yeah, everything you just said. Like, I think I was drawn towards it because I just got better at it. Like, I just started getting results quicker and then getting the results of, like, you know, national podium level. And then I started just within six months after that, just started shooting like international level results. And then I think that's when I went to my first junior world cup in 2015 and where I meddled in rapid fire, that was like, okay, like, this is something that I can actually take seriously and get really good at this event and air pistol, I think it's just, it's just mentally quite difficult for me. They all, they always say like, there's always two like rapid fire or air pistol shooters. So it's it's always separate. You're either one or the other Mm -hmm. majority of the time. So I was just obviously better at quick shooting and um, better to shoot quicker and, you know, more rapid, as you, as you say, like rapid fire.
0: It's it's it, As I said in sort of the intro, it's, it's always one of these events that always fascinates me and I love watching it during the Olympics because I feel that, you know, shooting is a sport that clearly Australians only really watch during an Olympics or a Commonwealth Games mm-hmm. and I feel even then sort of the dis- disciplines that are sort of different, like we're talking about pistols and then obviously, you know, rifle shooting and, most Australians are probably more familiar with the rifle side of things with people like Michael Diamond and Russell Mark and Catherine Skinner and Susan Ballow, like kind of these people who have obviously, you know, been Olympic champions. Whereas the pistol side of things, I feel it's sort of never been a focus, but it's it's so entertaining. Like I just, I love kind of watching the focus you guys have and just that that ability to kind of just turn around, as you are saying, like shooting five shots in four seconds and just doing all that sort of stuff. It's, it really is an entertaining sport. Does it is it surprising to think that this is something that's only in the Olympics that we should be watching more? of this outside of an Olympic or a Commonwealth game period? Um, I think if you asked me that a
1: couple years ago, I would have said, look, it's not that surprising, but I think now I think now it can be because shooting from what I've heard and what I've been told, it's like the second biggest sport in India behind cricket, you know, well, and if you, if you can get to that level and Asia, Asia and Europe, especially, um, I know in Asia, for example, they were telling me, I think it was in Korea. Our, for example, our nationals last a weekend, you know, there's a couple hundred shooters, but for them, it lasts like a whole week. Like they have like thousands of shooters and they have a couple hundred every day. So I think it definitely has the potential to be one of the biggest sports in the world. And I think it already shows that in Asia and Europe. It's just, unfortunately, um, you know, the American countries like in the continent and Australia countries as well, um, it's just not as big, but is I think it, it definitely has potential for sure.
0: Is it, Sort of improving, like sort of when you were, you know, getting involved in the sport as a junior, kind of like are the numbers, have they increased since you started? Are they kind of the same? Kind of like how is it I developing think, right now?
1: Yeah, I think it definitely has increased for sure. I think people are starting to really realise the potential of the sport. And I think that's what draws people into it and what draws the right crowd into it. You know, that mentality of like I want to be the best and shooting is one of those sports where you can get to a, you can get to a national level So you get to a national best level quite easily, but then getting to that international best level is, you know, a whole nother environment. So they get addicted to that kind of, you know, them trying to get to that level. They get addicted to that work. So I think it's definitely, it's definitely growing as a sport. And then, you know, with everything like streaming services and um, just like internet, you know, like, you know, watching finals wherever. And now with COVID as well, we shoot together, from different States. Like I'll be competing in Melbourne, competing with guys from Canberra, guys from Brisbane, guys from Perth, like over zoom. So I think with technology coming in as well, I think it can definitely grow and it has grown in Australia for sure.
0: Now, I need to follow up on that. How on earth do you compete on Zoom? Are you literally just sending some targets up in the backyard and putting a a camera, (laughs) literally shooting at a camera or something? No, 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 no.
1: no, 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 no. Um, So, I'll go to the range um, with the coach and they will have a judge dedicated to the range. And then the judge will go and approve the targets, approve the shots, and then send the scores through online. And then the the Zoom camera is just facing us so that the judges from the other states can see that I'm actually shooting as well.
0: Wow. That's insane. Like that's something that I didn't even think was possible that you can kind of have these competitions in different parts of the country over over Zoom like that. Yeah, that's yeah. All kinds of crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think they'll ever make it an international thing, or like a like a sanctioned international thing, you know, like World Cups or anything. But I think they've definitely had it for fun. Like, you know, Singapore have invited us to a couple of international competitions online, and stuff like that. And I think it's definitely a good fun way during COVID to Still stay together and still shoot together,
0: because I can't think of many sports in which you could do that. I mean, no, no target, but I mean archery. Maybe you could like those sort of sports. But I mean, you're not going to run the hundred meter sprint like over Zoom, are you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think I think from what I've heard, like some swimmers and like athletics have tried to run together. Like, but like they've just it's been too hard for them because the conditions are different. You know, Mm. the ass track in Brisbane is you know sunny and dry, where in Melbourne it's wet. So it's just it's very different, and um, I think shooting is one of those lucky sports that actually worked out all right. And we do zoom competitions quite regularly now.
0: Yeah, kind of adds a whole other element to the idea of online gaming, basically. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: exactly right. Definitely.
0: Yeah, kind of literally taking that to that next level. One thing I'd love to learn a little bit more. Obviously, shooting a very mental sport, but. The physical side of shooting, which I think is overlooked because there are physical elements to shooting. You, you can't just simply hold that, that pistol up and just uh, have a couple of shots without uh, doing some form of training. So how important is that physical element to training when it comes to shooting?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's one of those things that you definitely build up over time when it comes to shooting. Like, you know, when you start off as a junior, it is quite a heavy gun and it is quite hard to do and your arm gets fatigued very quickly. But then... Um, you build up that strength and you get better and better and then it gets easier. But I think if you want to get onto the, you know, the national international level, you've got to, you've got to get fitter. You know, there's, there's a lot of different shooters that you look at them and they don't seem fit, but they're quite fit for their body. Does that, does that make sense? You know, they're not, yeah. you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is walking around, but they're, you know, they're quite fit. They have that general fitness and they're, they do what needs to be done for themselves. Which... yeah, so I think, yeah, I sorry, what I was going to say is I think having basic fitness and having good strength, good balance, good posture and good like flexibility is definitely a, a bonus in shooting for sure.
0: Which then balancing that with the mental aspect, I mean, outside of the obvious of just practicing shooting, what are some of the other sort of mental things that can really help with getting you in that zone to focus on the targets, to stay controlled in an event?
1: I think it's... Everyone's definitely got a different routine. I think that's something I've learned. Um, for me personally, what I did, I listen to music, I kind of let myself be by myself. You know, I don't really speak to anyone, have my headphones on, just walk around, do my own thing and just really repeat to myself what I need to do and what I'm there to do. You know, I'm there to do a job, I'm there to focus, do what I need to do, shoot. I'm mean, I'm there to shoot. I'm there to complete a job and I'm there to compete for my country, for myself and just do with the best I can. So I just repeat that to myself and I repeat the process. I get a bit technical with shooting. You know, I repeat to myself, I pull the trigger smoothly, bring it up to the target, kind of just repeat what the procedure looks like in my head before I shoot. And then I go and do my thing where other people do something different. You know, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of countries, they juggle, actually, they try to get that hand eye coordination in there. So they juggle, um, and throw balls to each other um a lot of countries just relax and play on their phones until the last minute and then they go out there and shoot so everyone's got a very very different approach
0: what's some of the tunes what are kind of the helpful songs that help you get in that zone um
1: i like to listen to stuff that like hypes me up a bit you know because shooting rapid fire especially it's for me personally i kind of want to be hyped up because i'm there to do it's like i shoot i'm like bang bang it's like yes done done, done. So. It goes such a quick event. I like to be hyped up and good to go. So for me, it's more like hip hop, but like with like a good bass, um, bit of rock, but probably mainly hip hop R and B. I'm
0: just—I was just thinking of Bang Bang by Mark Ronson. potentially. Yeah. If you were there, <laughs> hit me with your best shot, kind of. no, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nothing like that. Nothing like that. James Bond theme, maybe just to kind of get you in the get
1: you in the zone. You know, no, nah, like, nothing, nothing like that. Something with like a good buildup is definitely what gets me uh gets me in check
0: is it also a case of can you psych out opponents in in shooting like can you kind of give them a bit of a glance or kind of you know is there a bit of toying going on with that mental aspect with kind of trying to you know play with your competitors to get the edge of them in a competition
1: yeah i mean personally i think if you are doing that kind of thing it's a bit of a dog move in my opinion um (laughs) i've never me and my mates we kind of joke around before we uh compete with each other you know like we'll um just chat and kind of like dance in front of each other just to put each other off. Like this is like in the warming up area though. But I think as soon as you're on the firing line and as soon as you're um, in that competition mode, it's everyone's just focusing on themselves. And it would be, to be honest, it'd be quite hard to actually put someone off and distract someone because everyone is just so mentally focused on what they need to do. They're looking at their own target, they're looking at their own gun and they're just not, just blocking everything out. Um, which is one of the things I love about the sport as well, actually.
0: You mentioned you first competed on in the international stage in 2015, gone to some great success out of that, but was there any possibility of an Olympics in 2016? Were you sort of in the qualification process? If so, sort of how close did you get? I mean, was that a realistic goal at that point?
1: Um, it was realistic. So we had two selections. Um, I qualified to make the team, if that makes sense. So I shot the scores required to make the, the Olympic team. And there was me of three people for that event. Um, David Chapman, who did go, me, and then another shooter called Thomas Ashmore. And after the first selection, we had two selection competitions, and then they will go based off those scores. Um, I was I shot well in the first selection. I was shooting like the best, and then I shot, I got second in the final. And then after the second selection, I shot a little bit worse, but if you added the qualifications up, it would have been the exact same as David Chapman, who did go. And then I got first in the final. So it was quite close between us. And I think the only reason well not not I think I do know. The reason I didn't go was my maturity level in shooting wasn't up to the standard. Because it's shooting is a very mentally mentally draining sport. And I was still quite young, you know, I was 2016, I was, you know, 18, 19. I was going out with friends a lot, you know, um, just not really taking life as seriously and in shooting when you're not taking life as seriously your shooting is kind of affected by it so i I guess say when you're not disciplined your shooting is affected by it and back then i wasn't you know i was just a kid i was having fun i was going out and stuff and i just wasn't mature enough to go to an olympic games in shooting so uh they decided to go with david instead of me which i clearly understood i spoke to the coach about it and they said you know if you were a bit more mature and a bit older then would have been you. Uh, but unfortunately, this isn't your games. We've got to prepare for the next one because I wasn't even preparing for Rio Olympics either. You know, that was just something that it could have happened. So it just would have been very difficult for me, in my opinion, that is.
0: So do you take that then and take that on board from your coach and then go, okay, well, an Olympics is what I want to go to work on that i'm going to be a bit older in four years time that might come naturally i mean kind of do you take that advice and and run with it which obviously leads on to some great success in between that period and then when you eventually make go to the olympics
1: yeah because that was that was the actual plan like you know um we'd go to the qualifications for the Rio olympics and see how we went and go based off how we were going there and then seeing how i shot and stuff it's um we kind of got the answer of you can make a team you can easily make a team but it's difference between making a team and you know winning a medal at the Olympics, very different things. So um, I think the goal was to eventually get to the Tokyo Olympics and not only make the team, but kind of dominate and be the first shooter in Australia, like just the first named shooter, like the first shooter people think of, and then which, go to the,
0: yeah. Which, which I mean, that's a big goal. That's that's a very big goal to kind of take that on board. And I mean, I guess along the way. Commonwealth Games silver medal, pretty decent. Keep the family tradition going along there as well. So I mean, kind of, what was that? What was that experience like on the Gold Coast and doing it in front of your home fans as well?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty crazy because I'd like to say I matured from then, from twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen, but I was still looking back now. I was a completely different shooter. I, I guess I did take it as seriously. I just didn't have the right mental approach. So. Um, Back then, like the fact that I could have, like looking back now, like, you know, the fact that I managed to bring back a silver medal and to shoot in front of everyone, my friends, my family, my loved ones, my partner as well. It was just, it was incredible, you know, and being in the village as well was just insane. you yeah, know. Amazing experience.
0: What were the crowds like at shooting? I mean, I, I worked at the Gold Coast, I didn't get out to any of the shooting events. But I mean, what was it like? Were they well attended? I mean, I can't imagine any event there wasn't well attended, it was put together very well, but I mean was yeah. it sort of big crowds or
1: the shooting especially was huge because I um I remember after qualification, just going for a walk around the range, people stopping me, asking for photos and you know, people I didn't know, you know, like it wasn't people in the shooting community, it was just literally randoms. And I saw the line, like this huge, huge line. I would say it was like 40 to 50 meters long. And I'm just like, I asked them, like, what's this line for? And they're like, oh, it's for, for your final. Like people trying to get in to watch it. Wow. And I was like, Jesus, like half these people aren't going to get in. And like my friends and my family, um, they all lined up right after qualification and just stood there for like an hour. They are just like, no, nah, we can't leave. They were like one of the first ones, but they were just like, no, nah, because if we line up later, we're not going to get in. So I found out that the whole finals hall and stuff was packed out. Like it was packed. Yeah, it was huge. And then outside they had a big projector where the, um, the food trucks and stuff were, and that was all packed out. All the seats outside, everything was, it was huge. Yeah. So it was so much more than I expected. And it was just the love and support that you got from like fans is crazy.
0: And is there like an adrenaline aspect to that when you you do a good round that people are going to be cheering and like kind of, I mean, obviously crowds in Europe I can imagine get quite big, but these are crowds that are cheering for you. You're not going to get the, you know, the European crowds cheering for you potentially, maybe in Belarus. But, I mean, is that kind of something that kind of just it spurs you on a little bit too?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's one of those things as well, though, like we're shooting especially – so you would always get a, a clap or a cheer when you shoot a 50 in rapid fire, which means, you know, you shot five shots and you shot five tens. That's a perfect score. So when you get that, you always hear a, a clap a cheer or whatever it is in the background. And you kind of got to almost, yeah, you do get that adrenaline, but you got to calm yourself down a bit. You know, it's like, all right, that's done. Move on to the next one. You know, it's, it's finished. Cool. 50. Awesome. Great. Move on. Focus on the next targets, and the next targets, and the next targets, and then you just do that till the end.
0: It's not long jump where you basically, you know, clap in the crowd, right? You know, come on, nah, like cheer me on. Yeah. Basically, nah, you kind nah. of need that silence.
1: <laughs> no, nah, exactly right. Like, um, and you do get you have World Cups where it's silent. And you have World Cups where people just play with vivazellas and those, you know, rattle things just the whole time, and that's when you have your earmuffs on you're looking down the range and you're focusing yourself. Well, that's for me personally, you know, there are other shooters that can stare at a crowd and tell them to hype them up and then take a shot and good on them for people that can do that. Cause I know I personally, I don't think I could do that. I think that would put way too much pressure on me and I would, I would shit my pants. I reckon. to be honest.
0: Where where are the wildest crowds? Like where, where do you go in the world? If you want to kind of go to a, a wild shooting crowd?
1: Um, I think India for sure was a pretty big crowd. Um, and honestly, like Olympic Games and Commonwealth Games are the massive crowds. Like from, unfortunately, we couldn't have a big crowd with the Olympics. We only had people that competed in shooting um, that come to the finals and watch. But even then, like the crowd that they had and all the shooters that came to watch was pretty big as well, you know. So seeing past Olympics and seeing the crowd at Commonwealth Games and then like India World Cups as well, it's always those three ones are massive. Did-
0: did you ever get to go to any of the games to watch, you, watch your mum growing up, sort of as you got older, like with Rio? Did you go along to, to Rio even though you didn't qualify to at least cheer her on?
1: Nah, unfortunately, um, it was one of those things where you'd have to find yourself if you wanted to go. Um, but also, my mum was very, like, let me do my thing with shooting. She didn't want people watching her or people that she knew watching her, like, you know, her, like my dad, us kids. She didn't want them. She didn't want us watching her. She just wanted us to kind of relax and do our own thing like that's how she took it she kind of took it more of as a, as a job and you know if your dad's an accountant you go you don't go watch him punch numbers all day <laughs> so that's how she kind of took that mentality
0: and was that experience then extra special making your first commonwealth games team uh your mum still at the commonwealth games and as well like i mean kind of what was that like the experience sharing that with her having learnt about all the successes and watched her all those times actually be competing alongside her as a teammate
1: it was uh, it was pretty incredible, but you only kind of realize how incredible it is during and afterwards. Like you know, when you say the words like "I competed with my mum at the Commonwealth Games," like that's an amazing sentence, and not a lot of people not a lot of people get to say that. Um, but during it, we kind of just focused on ourselves and focused on what we needed to do, like what our job was. And because we had so many competitions prior, like you know, nationals, Australia Cups, state titles, whatever it is. Um, we're kind of used to it. And that's how we kind of took that approach. Like I kind of did my own thing. um, Like did my own routine, you know, just relax, whatever. But then, you know, we would go out for dinners beforehand, you know, hang out. Because me and mom were really close as well. And yeah, it was just, it was almost like a shock until afterwards, like before it's like, yeah, cool. You know, we are mother and son, but like it's, we're doing our own thing. And then afterwards and a little bit during, it's like, okay, crap, we just we just did something that not a lot of people can do and people dream of, which is pretty yeah, incredible.
0: Very much. And was in the hope that uh, that would we'll continue on to experience an Olympics together or, or kind of had, had, I mean, I don't know, is your mum still competing? Did, was she on the, on the cards for, for a Tokyo qualification?
1: Uh No. So that's, that's when she decided to call it. I think for her, um, it just got to the point where it was just too much on her body essentially because her lower back was hurting, her elbow was hurting and, Doctors, physios and stuff, no matter what, they're all saying you need to let your body naturally heal itself. This is only going to stop if you stop shooting because she shot for like, you know, over 30 years or something, over 40 years almost. So for her, it was just got to the point where she had to call it and be like, look, unfortunately I can't do it. And if I make the Tokyo Olympic team, it'll be, it wouldn't be to win a medal. It would be just to go. Mm. So um, she decides after... After the Nationals that same year at uh, a Commonwealth Games, she announced to everyone that she was done and everyone, everyone was kind of shocked. Everyone was like, wow, that, that's incredible. You know, like someone that's lifted the game up of shooting in Australia is retiring. They're done. Uh, but it was the best thing to do for her, for sure.
0: Well, who knows? Brisbane 2032, they could name the shooting yeah. center after her or something like that as a tribute or kind of, yeah. you know, who knows, right? Like Exactly uh, right.
1: I think deep down and making Olympic Games with her would have been incredible. And I think Rio, I knew I wouldn't make it, but I was kind of really hoping that she would make it for Tokyo. But then, you know, seeing how she was at Commonwealth Games and then everything afterwards, it was just a bit too much for her. It was just,
0: you know what, I can't I can't keep doing this. And then I understood and yeah. Well, you've got that unique distinction though. Like she went to, what, six Olympics and you make it a family seven Olympics in a row. So then kind of like you can keep pushing on Brisbane, you know, post all that sort of stuff. And then who knows, you could have children that could keep going on. I mean, this could be like some sort of streak that is unmatched in an Olympics. I don't know kind of what the record might be there for family members competing in consecutive Olympics, but you could set the bar here.
1: Yeah. Well, like, to be honest, I never actually really thought of that. And um, I've only just realized like doing interviews and stuff that, like, uh, you know, Olympics passing down on to me like is the seventh Olympic like you know attendance or competition in our family so yeah if, if that goes on as well to my future kids it'll be incredible definitely
0: yeah. keep on plugging along that sounds yeah. amazing so from the Commonwealth Games in and to, towards Tokyo kind of what was that process like for you to get then on that Olympic team and and what was that moment like when when you were in when you had gotten that ticket and you knew that you were an Olympian
1: yeah it was um it was pretty incredible like after commonwealth games um with how i shot i learned so much from it because i personally didn't compete the best um and i but then the final was incredible for me you know i had a couple of mistakes here and there but you know to come away with a silver medal was just amazing and it, you got you kind of got addicted to it and it's just like yeah like i want i don't want this to stop like i want to keep going and then the next one would have been tokyo olympics so i really just Push myself and push myself and just tactically planned out what needs to be done training wise and how I need to shoot. Um, and I got to the selections and I mean, not to my own horn or anything, but like I did, I did, I did well at the selections. Like I competed really well. I won all three. Um, well, we had, we had four, but then you could drop one. Uh, I won all four. Um, and I was quite ahead to the point where like, there was no discussion on who was going to go for rapid fire. So for me, it was, it was almost like a goal that I had to achieve. That's the mentality that I had. So I kind of expected it in a way. I don't, this probably sounds like very obnoxious from me, but it was just a goal that I needed to achieve deep down. And if I didn't achieve it, it would have been a disappointment for me.
0: Which it's important though to set those goals and kind of work that. I mean, you're not in the sport to just, you know, I mean, some people have to have fun. You obviously got to have some sort of fun, but I mean, your your goals are to make an Olympics and of course, you know, go for an Olympic medal. So it's important to kind of set those targets, no pun intended, and then obviously achieve them. So, I mean, do you then go into Tokyo with a set goal? Do you go medal? I can do this or is it sort of, you know, just Mm. the best you can do because it's your first Olympics?
1: I think with everything that happened with COVID, with um, just the postponement and, you know, talks cancellation and stuff, I didn't necessarily have a goal of, you know, medal done, you know, shoot this, get this medal. It was more just go there, your first Olympics. Like that, I think that's the thing that was in my head the most, you know, this is the first Olympics. You can't, you're not here to stuff around, but also you're here to learn so much. So I got in there and the goal I had set for myself was to compete the best I could, you know, and to focus, to give it your all, you know, not to half-ass and just, Hundred percent, everything you have to the point where, like, you just like die of exhaustion afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, you just give it a thousand percent. And looking back now, there were a little bit of aspects that I definitely could have tried harder. I definitely could have done better, but I'm still proud of how I approached the games, how I competed, and I've learned so much more than I could have. um, That I'm going to implement for the next games,
0: which. One thing that I found very unique, going back to what I was saying about kind of when people maybe think about Australia and, and the Olympics in and shooting and sort of those names I mentioned before, Australia's never meddled in the rapid-fire pistol at the Olympics, at least in the men's side of things. I mean, is that something that can spur you on to kind of, you know, go towards these games, but to maybe be a history maker, to be the first Australian to bring home a medal in, in the rapid-fire pistol?
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that motivates me for sure because it'll be one of those things for me that I know – it's just a goal for me. Yeah. It's a to be able to compete in the Olympics, to make a final, bring back a medal in that event, especially, an event that I love and that, you know, people shoot all, all over Australia is is just a great motivator for me. And definitely spurs me on for sure.
0: You finished seventeenth in Tokyo. I mean, did you leave based on what you're saying before? You know, impressed with how you perform, like do you feel you could have gone better? Like kinda of how did you leave Tokyo feeling with how you went?
1: Um, I think it's very hard to explain. Like, I think if you explain to someone that, you know, does understand shooting and like, isn't in the shooting community, um, you know, finishing 17th shooting a five seventy two compared to like a five eighty two cutoff. It's not amazing. Um, but looking back, if you look at my targets and stuff, I had, I had really good grouping. It was all, it was just, I guess it was just really unfortunate. You know, it was just the nerves took over. Um, Lack of international competition, I think, played a bit of a factor. It was a factor that I could control, but unfortunately, I didn't learn to control it. Um, But yeah, like 572, 17th, it's it's disappointing. But at the same time, though, um, I'm proud of it and I'm happy I did it.
0: Which... One thing that we, you know, ask a lot of our guests and a lot of you have obviously been asked is kind of the, the delay for Tokyo, you know, did that affect you anything along those lines? But I think it's more maybe now on the flip side of things with Paris that, yeah, it's only three years away as we keep hearing. But is that almost not because generally you kind of you're used to this four-year cycle is that something that maybe is a bit of a detriment or is it more of a help because you can work on that adrenaline you can sort of work on the okay this is what i did in the olympics just bring on the next one i'm kind of can get to that point i mean is, is, does a three-year gap make much more of a difference than a four-year gap
1: i think it's um i think it's more of like a bit of a hey just let you know you know the next olympics it's three years away like it's so it's one of those things like people take it how it is for me it's like okay, like the train has just slowed down a bit, but the momentum is still there. You know, have a bit of a break, slow down, and then keep that training up, keep that competition cycle up and just keep going and going. Um, for other people, they could be like, you know what, I need a year break and I'll get back into it then. But yeah, looking at Paris three years away, like it's definitely a, a big motivator for sure.
0: And obviously with the com games as well, less than, a, less than a year away, kind of that unique position that we have there as well. I mean, is that kind of a, a big motivation to kind of go one better in Birmingham and go for that gold medal next year instead of the silver?
1: Um, unfortunately, shooting's actually not in Birmingham, which is, uh, Oh, really isn't it? Oh, no, wow. No. Yeah. Why? Really... Why isn't shooting um, in Birmingham? Uh, fortunately, I think the reasons were, um, it would have been too hard to do a shooting range. The gun laws in England are quite strict. Um, but in saying that, though, they're all, they're all excuses because there's been, you know, a Commonwealth Games shooting event in Manchester. There was one in Glasgow, like in Scotland, which have equally as strict laws. Um, I mean, personally, it's very disappointing that Birmingham didn't have the commonwealth Games. But, yeah, it is what it is. You've got to fight through it and go to Paris.
0: Well, I'm just looking here that that will be the first time that shooting has not been at a Commonwealth Games since sixty. Two. So that He's is exactly a, right. Yeah. 60 year, 70, what's it, 80 year gap? Am I doing my math correctly there? Yeah, 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 geez. yeah. Wow.
1: It's a sport that is um, one of like the OG sports. Like, I think yeah. it was, from what I remember, I could be wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure shooting was in the first modern Olympics. You know, it wasn't back with when the Greeks and stuff were running around Athens, but it was in like those first modern Olympics. And um, it's been. Uh, in shooting, shooting has been in every Olympics since then. And it's yeah. been, like you said, it's been in those Commonwealth Games since the 60s. So the fact that it's not in there um, is very, very disappointing. And hopefully it'll be in the next one. Hopefully that'll be well, uh, for sure.
0: My, my math is 60s, uh, but actually it wasn't in 1970 apparently. So uh, 66 okay, every well, yeah. year from 74 onwards. Which Because it is, you're right, like it's one of those sports that you know, I think of a core sport or sort of like something that should be, it, it, like, it's just it's just there. Like, it's, you, you just automatically assume. It's like when they tried to take wrestling out of the Olympics like a decade ago. It's like, wow, you're taking wrestling out of the Olympics. Like, yeah. that's one of the ones. And it's it's fascinating. I, di- I wasn't aware of that in Birmingham, that they were, they were not doing shooting. And is that like a big controversy sort of amongst the shooting community? Because I can imagine that, you know, given that it's been part of the Commonwealth Games for so long, that it's obviously a major tournament for you guys to be able to go out there on the world stage to compete at a Commonwealth Games
1: yeah it was um it was pretty crazy it got pretty big um there was a lot of controversy from the asian countries like india that, that are in the commonwealth um and uh singapore malaysia and stuff as well uh they were uh, pretty outraged actually to the point where india said we'll hold a commonwealth games federation shooting championship which i think was what, what was it called and then the medals would go towards Commonwealth games but it would be held in india separate time and i think all parties agreed to it and then that would have been in january next year or february next year but now because of covid and stuff it's been cancelled So they've unfortunately um cancelled that as well which it is what it is you know it's a tough year everyone's going through it um but yeah it did cause massive uh controversy for sure and it was it was very disappointing um especially because this was like i think when it got announced it was about a year after uh gold coast which yeah just uh it sucks really. Like, can, really. I can imagine much. if
0: there's one sport you will of a few sports, you don't want to piss the athletes off. It's, it's shooting. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah. of, you think know, that do, do sure. it into equestrian, right? They're not going to do much, but like shooters. Oof, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Now, I think, I think what's disappointing is that shooting is one of those sports where it just, it peaks at the Olympics. Like that's our peak when you have sports like, um, for example, it's like skateboarding. Um, hmm. And, no disrespect to skateboarding, like I love watching it. Like I think it was Keegan Palmer that won the gold medal. Like that was incredible. You know his effort stuff was awesome, but that's not their pinnacle. but that's not their top. You know they have the X Games. They have other stuff, and um, and there are you know some like an example is the USA basketball team. Sometimes they just say, nah, I don't want to go to the Olympics. So I need to do my training for the NBA. Where like that's just that team though. Like you know the other countries like you know Patty Mills and Australia, they love going to the Olympics. Like that's that's their top thing where for shooting commonwealth games and olympics that's a, that's the peak for us like and so take it away from commonwealth games and an event where percentage wise like the amount of athletes that go and the amount of medals they bring in it's like one of the highest you know to take it away it's it sucks it's a kick in the gut for sure
0: yeah it's always interesting sort of how some of those sports work we've talked a lot about on the show before about some of these sports you know like Football's the world game. Of course, it's got a place at the Olympics, but when you've got an event, the World Cup, that is, I guess, technically bigger than the Olympics. It's yeah, sort of exactly like, right. Well,
1: like I personally you know. don't think soccer really should be in the Olympics. Like I love watching mm. it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge soccer fan. Like I love Chelsea, and I love watching like Sam Kerr play for Matildas, and I love watching like you know um like Thomas Dang and everything like that in our Socceroos team. But it's just one of those sports. Like it's that's not the, that's not the peak. You know, like yeah. the peak is playing EPL, playing, you know, Bundesliga, World Cup. You see that like struggle with, country. like, golf
0: that's been included. You, you haven't had a Tiger Woods come along. And, I mean, tennis is kind of, you know, getting there where it's kind of like, obviously, yeah. Novak went for the Golden Slam, but it's sort of, it's kind of picks and troughs, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, it's exactly sort of interesting. Yeah, exactly right how they sort of they come along when it comes to the training aspect is it do you just have a sort of a range in your backyard like i mean are you allowed to like legally can you just sort of you know just put a range up in your backyard and start shooting just warn the neighbors hey you know i'm not shooting things i'm just i'm practicing Um, for the olympics (laughs)
1: yeah nah i fortunately can't do that um i train on a range it's actually not far from me it's about it's like 12 kilometers away so it's like 15 minute drive uh just down the road um it's like a big big area it's a official shooting range you know there's different kinds of ranges it's a 50 meter range is like a 40 yard range the 25 meter range is the one i train on and yeah it's not too far away 15 20 minute drive and just train there yeah can't train backyard stuff i think if you want to build a range in the backyard it's more like a farm kind of thing you have to have a big enough property to do that and to not bother the neighbors but yeah in the suburbs, you know, southeast suburbs
0: of Berwick, you can't do that, no way. <laughs> yeah. Doris next door isn't just going to have a couple of stray bullets going through a window yeah, on a Sunday exactly. afternoon or, or, exactly or right. something, something like that. Do you do you look ahead, like, in terms of the age range of, of shooting, is, is there a peak age? Like, if you're a certain age, that's when you're at your peak, and do you kind of then map out... Maybe to follow in your mum's footsteps to go to six Olympics. You've just had your first, <laughs> so you've had mm. that taste. Like, is it something you can do that that you are working towards, like a peak age where mentally you will be in your perfect range for shooting? Yeah,
1: um, I think statistically, like when you view it, when you view it, um, medals and age, I think it's usually around like the late twenties, early thirties. Like that's when they're that's when they peak. That's when the that's the average age of like all the medals. But in saying that, though, like you know, there's been so many shooters that have won medals when they were 16, 17, you know, Olympic Commonwealth Games, high-level medals. And then there's been world champions at like 56, you know, like there was um, Warren Potent who won a bronze medal, I think at the Beijing Olympics or might've been, he won a world champs in 2014 Grenada. I know that for sure. And he won that in rifle and he was, I think he was over 50 years old when he won it. And then um, I think he won a medal at the Olympics as well at a, you know, in a mature age. So shooting is one of those things, like it's really individually based and it's really depends on your mentality and how you approach it. If you, if you really decide, no, I'm not going to shoot when you're 30. um, And you bring, put that mentality into the world, then you won't shoot past 30. You know, you won't succeed, but I think if you keep pushing, keep trying, you can definitely make an Olympic team till you're older.
0: Well, I'm just, I'm just seeing a pattern here. Your mum's first Olympics, she was 23. Her next Olympics, she was 27, won a bronze medal. Your first Olympics, you were 23. The yeah. next Olympics, you'll be 27. So exactly right. there's a pattern going on there, Sergey. And then think is. about it, six Olympics, you'll just go to the 2040 Olympics, you know? I mean, I don't know yeah. where they'll be, but, uh, you know, kind of just plenty, plenty of time. Brisbane, home Olympics, 11 years, plenty of time to get there.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I think Brisbane for me would be an incredible... Uh, goal. Like Brisbane is a goal I've I've planned out for sure. Whether to continue after Brisbane, I'm not too sure because um, Brisbane is is where I actually started. Like the Commonwealth Games, like they were Gold Coast, but the range was actually in Brisbane. So you know to be able to go to the Brisbane Commonwealth Games, win a silver medal there, and then be able to go to the Brisbane Olympics as well, and it will be on that range as well, the shooting events. And to if I win a medal there, it will be amazing. You know, start at Brisbane, potentially finish at Brisbane. Who
0: knows? Great book. Because it's, it's kind of one of those things, isn't it, where I know a lot of Olympians who went to Sydney sort of delayed their retirement as soon as they knew that there was a home Olympics. So, like, I'm going to push myself on further to, yeah. to go to a, to an Olympics at home. So, it's kind of obviously now with an extended time frame with an 11-year gap rather than a seven-year gap. Like, it's, it's interesting to kind of have that. And that must be a massive motivation, as you were saying there, to kind of, like, go, like – go to a home olympics like i mean that's a once in a lifetime opportunity really isn't it 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 really is like it's
1: yeah it's and in in all honesty though it's like a once in a lifetime like not for everyone you know the people like after brisbane who knows when the next one will be in olympics like be in australia sorry and after sydney like sydney 2000 and then 32 years later brisbane like that's uh it's a, it's a the big gap's gap, getting so... smaller. What was it? Yeah. Forty-four
0: years between Melbourne and Sydney. Now thirty-two oh, yeah. years. That is so true. 20, yeah. Twenty. Like uh, you know, Hobart's getting closer. We will get an Olympics in Hobart. <laughs> They'll just share it around Australia by the end the of the whole. Uh, the whole of tasmania will be a village. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. Every single part of the state will be uh, the Olympics. Uh, before we get to our final set of questions, actually, I always love to hear about sort of Olympic experiences and kind of you know just outside of the the competition. I mean, obviously unique olympics of tokyo obviously couldn't do as much as say you would be at a regular olympics but do you have any sort of fun memories from around the village or just kind of soaking up that atmosphere what it was to be an olympian
1: um uh, it's it's very hard to say like i just just the whole the whole memory itself is what you need to soak in you can't you can't forget parts unfortunately like it's just it's just, you're there and you're soaking everything in to the point where it's like, you won't ever forget, you know, little moments. Like I won't, I don't think I'll ever forget being in the same lift as like Ash Barty or like, you know, having a chat with Patty Mills or, you know, like getting into lift and like Delva Patty Mills, Joe Ingalls, just all going up to the same level I am because wow. they look like a floor above me, you know, like it was just insane stuff like that. And Oh, you want to, you want to like, you know, fanboy, you want to like go crazy and be like, Jesus, you know, these, you guys are amazing. But at the same time, though, you're like, you're all there almost as equals. Like,
0: yeah, it's, you They're are equal, but like,
1: yeah, yeah, basically teammates. So it was really strange, like doing that. And I think, yeah, just creating moments like that, it's just, it's just incredible, like to be able to create those moments like that. So I don't think I'll ever have a particular moment. I think just all of it, it's just going to be locked away in my brain.
0: Because that conversation Sarah, I can imagine, you, you get into that lift. I mean, you clearly know who they are, but you're there as well. in same clothes they're wearing, Australia, got the Olympic rings on you. I mean, is it kind of like a bit of a, you know, Patty Mills, you go, oh, you know, what sport are you in? Like, you know, kind of just have a bit of a conversation and kind of like, how have you found it? You know, things like that.
1: Yeah. Like, I actually did joke around though. Like, I got into that lift and I was like, oh, so what do you boys do? And like, they were like <laughs> a little bit taken back. Like, oh, like we're on the basketball team. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm fucking with you. Of course, I know who you guys are. <laughs> um, and, then they, they, and then they asked me, like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm shooting, blah, blah. And, yeah, you know, to them, I probably look like some kind of, like, official or physio or something because my body's not, <laughs> not not a perfect athlete, not peak athlete. But, um, yeah, it was. it's pretty incredible doing stuff like that for sure.
0: One thing, to actually, before we get to the questions, I, I love your Instagram and I loved your, I guess, TikTok style videos. I mean, I'm yeah. guessing maybe these the TikTok kind of the fun there. I mean, that must have passed the time a little bit in in quarantine. But you were doing these even before you were in quarantine, though, weren't you? I mean, this must be just a, is it a bit of a fun thing to get people into the sport and kind of just follow you there because they're, they're very entertaining.
1: Yeah, like it was one of those things. I just um like Instagram started doing like reels and stuff, and I just thought like you know what, like why not just a bit of a laugh, you know, show people what the sport's about and. Yeah, and then uh, I started posting them on TikTok because at first I wasn't a fan of TikTok. Um, everyone was obsessed with it. Everyone was on it. And I'm just like, no, I'm just I'm not, not into it, you know? and didn't, didn't understand the concept. And then my videos were pretty similar to TikTok. So I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to re-upload them on TikTok now, like may as well. And then um, one of them just blew up and got like over a million views. It was wow. crazy. Yeah, it was huge. I don't like I just put up one night before I went to bed and I woke up the next morning. And I'm like three hundred thousand follow uh three hundred thousand uh views on it and I'm just like Jesus like that's huge. And it was a shooting video as well. It was uh it was a video that says like um what an intense training session looks like and you know it's me shooting and then like peeling a mandarin and then me <laughs> shooting and then finishing <laughs> off peeling mandarin and then me shooting again and then me eating the mandarin. Like it's obviously it's all done for laughs. But um yeah like I love I love putting up videos like that. You know, it gets people into shooting. I have have a lot of people ask me oh how do i get into shooting in victoria how do i get into shooting in western Australia? like this is this is awesome it's pretty interesting so to be able to make funny videos like that and to get people interested and to get them to pay attention to shooting at olympics com games whatever it is it's pretty awesome
0: well i i was thoroughly entertained in the lead up to the interview just watching them <laughs> and and kind of uh yeah, I want to keep watching all of them. It's kind of like some channel on Netflix or something. <laughs> keep watching them viral, keep going on to that. Now, uh, Sergey, we, we wrap up our interviews with a series of fun questions. These are based on a uh, questionnaire that Team Canada gave to their athletes ahead of both Rio and Pyeongchang. Sort of some get to know you elements here. Now, there is, as always, we put this out there that there's a drawing element if you want to do some homework. Um, we've had one athlete do it before. Again, entirely up to you but stick figures are acceptable as well Yeah, uh, beautiful just just leave that out there too and i always like to again i say this every interview try and find an athlete from the same sport uh, unfortunately team canada did not quiz any shooters ahead of rio so the closest i've got is an archer uh crispin duanus uh, an archer so i kind of thought well they're kind of you know better than a sprinter so yeah yeah um, yeah kind of work on that way so your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Uh, so for me, it is a very particular moment. It is
1: being able to take my mum's bronze medal out to school and to go to every class in my primary school and be able to show it off. Wow. I think that's, that's a very, that's a, I don't think that's a memory that not a lot of people can have. Wow. Um, and yeah, for me to be able to do
0: that is pretty amazing. Fantastic. And how was how that show-and-tell? Do you have the coolest show-and-tell basically at school that day?
1: Yeah, like some kid next to me had like a bionic or something. I'm just like, get out of here. Get out of here, there.
0: <laughs> Olympic okay. freaking medal. Yeah. <laughs> Drop mic. There you go. Um, if you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be?
1: Olympic host city. In all honesty, I would love, um, despite everything that's going on there right now, I would love my my home my home city uh minsk like where i'm originally from in belarus uh you know despite everything political going on there i think it's a very beautiful city it's, it's got that european eastern european style like architecture and it's just an amazing city that um not all people know about not, all people, not a lot of people know about belarus the country itself so to be able to have the whole you know uh, the whole world watching that country would be an amazing achievement
0: y- you know, I always, whenever I think of Minsk, I just think of friends. When uh yes, is it yep, Phoebe's David. uh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. David was in Minsk, right? Yes, yeah. It, it was yeah. um don't know why I always think of that, but um yeah, like it's it's actually interesting. I've never been to Europe, but when people talk about where would you like to go in Europe, I'm always talking about you know belarus like you know estonia like places like this where it's kind of like nobody talks about going it's all about france germany like no i want to go see these places that kind of just yeah. you know people go to because they just they look like where that's where people have the most fun in europe you know not so many tourists and it's just kind of more of a natural sort of feel to it
1: yeah definitely i think it's because i've got like such a cultural like connection to it as well you know like my house is very Europeany kind of thing you know like the way we eat the way we speak the way we act everything like that it's um Definitely not like an Australian household. So, so how
0: many languages then does that mean you speak?
1: We speak, we speak English and Russian. Like I speak wow. Russian and English as well. Yeah, so I speak Russian to my parents like the whole time. Uh, I speak English to my sister because we kind of just, you know, raised like that. And uh, and yeah, just you know, like actually, the whole day today, I was making pin menu, which is like Russian dumplings. I was making that with mum today, helping her out.
0: Wow. So Very is nice. that case like where you get like can you literally mid sentence just be speaking English and go straight straight into Russian and kinda of just have like a dual conversation in both languages?
1: Yeah, yeah, like I'm fluent in both. Yeah, I can speak both for sure.
0: Wow. I, lo- I just love watching people. Like I was living in Canada and I'd say watch well, Justin Trudeau giving a speech to the nation and he would just be, you know, speaking English and mid-sentence into French and you're like, you, yeah. you wouldn't even realise what you're doing. Like, well, he just is speaking French now. And all of a sudden back into English and i just like, well, this is incredible. Uh, I can barely speak English. So I don't know <laughs> what this is like to be able to, to do it. Was it like you, so when you are born, you're learning Russian straight away and English straight away or was it kind of something you learnt as you grew older? Um, so I learned Russian straight away and then
1: – we moved to Australia and I started getting both languages thrown at me. So uh, my parents freaked out because I was not speaking till I was like three or four years old. Like I could, I could speak, but I just didn't want to. So my parents freaked out, like, you know, something's wrong with him. what's going on. And the doctor just said, like, he's just confused on what languages to speak. You know, he, he is Russian at home but he goes to daycare and he's English and he's English on TV. He just doesn't know what's going on in his head. And then eventually I just started speaking English. Like I thought that was easier for me, but then, I went to Russian school when I was younger, and yeah, went just big Russian for sure.
0: So, so if I was to get you to say the sentence you should all listen to off the podium in Russian, what would that sound like? Uh, but I'm seeing slow off the podium. Wow, that that's the yeah. best way I've ever heard that said. Wow, geez, <laughs> put that on a T-shirt. Um, in your spare time, what do you most like to do besides the TikTok videos?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, lately it's been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. I just bought that game. I bought it for myself in quarantine, but then I got distracted in quarantine, making these videos and building Lego <laughs> and stuff. So I I started playing it and I would just instantly regret not playing it earlier. It is such a good game. It's so awesome. And um, yeah, honestly, building Legos, playing Switch, watching EPL soccer and uh, and making, making some TikTok sometimes. Eggs and, and that's, that's basically yeah and just hanging yeah. out with friends yeah i think lately with all the uh covid lockdowns and stuff i'm really miss hanging out with mates and hanging out with friends yeah it's a big one for sure
0: i i did gel over the fact that you go for chelsea i'm a man united supporter so oh uh, yeah you know, uh, can't all yeah. be perfect so it's, it's yeah all good yeah. yeah yeah i mean
1: look you guys bring back ronaldo
0: it's gonna be huge but yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes see how it goes yeah just i don't know how i feel about that but um i've never been a big fan of Cristiano Ronaldo. To me, Ronaldo is the Brazilian guy. That's who I grew up with as my Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of always interesting when you hear Cristiano Ronaldo. So yeah, my sister is a massive Zelda fan. She, her son is called Link, based after. Really? Wow. That's how much she loves, that's how much she loves Zelda. So I've only
1: I've already just started loving it though. Like I messed with my mates. I'm like, oh, how do you backflip? Like, how do you how do you do this? How do you do this? And like Mm -hmm. they're always like saying you cook like elixirs and recipes. I'm just like I don't even
0: know how to pick a mushroom let alone like <laughs> cook these Alexes. like I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, I haven't played it since Ocarina of Time on Nintendo 64 so I, I well, would never. Have a, have a yeah clue.
1: well I never I never played it I just got I just got told like you yeah such an amazing game and you look up yeah you know, best Switch games and it's always Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild so I was just like you know what like I, pl- I think I played one Game Boy version when I was younger um and that's it I never really got into it properly never really got into that. The only games I was fully into a Pokemon like I'm um, Big Pokemon fan. Just the games. Though. I wasn't really a huge fan of the series or anything like that. Um, and then Zelda is now my next obsession.
0: So so then this will age me. What was your first Pokemon game then growing up? Uh, Leaf Green. That was yeah, my way first way age me. I'm I'm back in red and blue and and back yeah. like when they were one color. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Kind of, that's when I I got excited when gold and silver came out. Like, oh, they're getting shinier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and then kind of I I lost uh, lost track of it. Um, what is the weirdest instruction a coach ever gave you? Oh,
1: weirdest instruction. Okay. Ooh, that is a hard one because I have a like I've definitely got a couple but they just seem normal to me where for other people, it don't seem normal. Like, I think a strange one that people say like, oh, really? Like you do that is we have a training session and my coach like forces us to go have like a 10, 20 minute nap in the club room, just on the floor and then come back and train again.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, just go have a sleep. Go I'll... sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like go have a sleep. I'll stay here with the guns. It's all good. And then, yeah, just go have a nap. Like you have like a 20 minute power nap and then just come back and start shooting
0: again. Now I'm suspicious of this. What's your coach doing while you're all sleeping for 20 minutes? Like <laughs> he's you know. he's
1: probably just chilling reading a book. That's all he does.
0: Like <laughs> you need to put um, a hidden camera there. I feel there's more to it than just reading a book.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Exactly
0: right. <laughs> he's doing something with those guns. Like yeah. I, I don't know what he's exactly. what he's doing. Interesting. Uh what is your favorite workout?
1: Favorite workout would have to be I won't say push ups, something simple like that. Like I like I prefer body strength stuff. So I prefer doing like push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, squats, stuff like that. Um I think push-ups is one of those things that like I think everyone's got to learn how to do and um, you, to be able to do as many as you can is awesome.
0: How many can you do, Sergey? Okay.
1: I've actually did myself a little record and I think I got like 34, 36 in a row, which like killed me though. Like I just just dead afterwards.
0: That's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah. I'm lucky but- to do two, so you <laughs> should take that. <laughs> and I'm on my knees still. I'm not even doing the proper ones, so we'll go with that. Uh, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? Uh, Jack Black. Ah, Jack Black,
1: for sure. Good I, um, answer. He just uh, – I, I shared a video on my Instagram the other day of him on Jimmy Fallon playing a trumpet, and then – um. It's just watching his videos and watching like movies like School of Rock and stuff. He's just such a character, such an awesome person. And I don't know if you've seen like his videos that he does about Marvel. Uh, oh yeah,
0: like, was that the one he was like throwing a Thor hammer to himself yeah. around the pool and stuff like that? Yeah, stuff yeah. like that.
1: Like you know, he he's in like these speedos and like a Thor yep. helmet, and he's throwing uh, the hammer, and then he's dressed up like Spider Man and dancing yep. to uh, WAP by Cardi B, and it's just. Yep. You can just tell he'd be such a fun guy, and oh. lately, lately, I've been loving him. So, Jack Black for sure.
0: Uh, Pick of Destiny is one of my favorite movies, and I think yeah. I heard he was making a sequel to it finally. So, um... I think it's I think it's
1: already out. I think, is I think it? Maybe, oh, wow, maybe
0: Jeez,
1: I could be behind, I could be wrong, I could be wrong, but
0: yeah, wow, okay, well, I gotta look that up. I'll yeah, uh, see, see how they, I, I, that soundtrack is just something I listen to like constantly. It's just yeah, like I, I can never get sick of those songs. Tribute, like,
1: just... tribute when you think oh. about it, it's like not even. It's almost like a pointless song, but it's just such a good song.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's and the fact that Dave Grohl plays the, the devil in that movie. Like when you realise that, you're like, Holy crap, Dave Grohl and what meatloafs his dad in that movie. Like it's just kind yeah. of just the, the randomness to that. Um, what is your favorite sandwich? Uh
1: ham and salami sandwich. Uh ham sorry, not ham, sorry. Cheese and salami toaster sandwich with red onion inside. Oh, nice. It I goes down like very good. Like and it's s- Thinly sliced red onion. Yep. Yep. Uh, salami, like a good Hungarian or something like that, and then uh,
0: cheese, toasty, done. And is it is it a specific type of bread or is it just whatever's available?
1: Uh whatever's available, but I prefer like a multigrain or something like that with oh, yeah. seeds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be?
1: I would love. I'm a bit of a comic book nerd as well. Like I love Marvel movies, everything like that. So, X Men were one of my favorites growing up. So I'd have to say like Nightcrawler's powers of like teleportation, just being able to like, you know, go from point A to point B in under a second would be amazing.
0: I like it. Good work. Uh the best candy in the world is
1: I actually had Mike and Ike's for the first time the other day, which is that American candy. Yep, yep. Um, and that were pretty good. They were pretty awesome. So if it's best candy, I'd say that. But, you know, if I'm going based off the Shire, what we can get at Coles and stuff, I have to go to a classic Snickers. Snickers last yeah. for me for sure.
0: Yep, that's a good one. Yeah. No, a bit nutty, but, you know, it kind of works that way. Now, yeah. you sort of, we know you're a Chelsea fan, but, yes. I mean, expand this out to other teams as well. As a kid, your favourite sports team were?
1: As a kid, my favourite sports teams. Okay, so Chelsea for sure. Um, I never got into AFL because my parents never were into it. And then I just never really had... I had some friends that, that played a lot, but I just never really grew up with it. So, I don't really have any AFL teams. Um, That's a hard one. It probably just have to be Chelsea. That and then the shooting team, to be honest.
0: Yeah. like, Hey, that works. So, yeah. you know. That that that's a team. That's a team. You got to put it out there. I mean, you had the. I um. I got involved, I Loved how the AOC had the merchandise of each of the the sports, and I I got the modern pentathlon because I'm a modern pentathlon fan. Don't judge me. But like you had the shooting shirts and all that kind of stuff yeah, as yeah, well yeah. too. So well, kind of
1: like modern pentathlon. Like I love that. Chloe Espinosa is a really good friend oh, of mine. Like wow, well,
0: um, you're yeah. a friend of this show even more so. Uh, <laughs> one of, one of our best and most favorite guests. We we like to jokingly say in the show that we got her that gold medal because on that we started at the beginning of rio and on that very first episode we're celebrating modern pentathlon we're like hey this is this is a sport get involved and then mm. we remember waking up thinking we're dreaming wait did we just win a gold in modern pit what the hell yeah. like how did this come about and uh yeah we spoke with chloe a few weeks back and um yeah amazing and i mean there's a sport you could get into you got one fifth of the uh, the sports down pat so you just need to work yeah. on your horse riding fencing swimming and running and you're done <laughs> uh, I mean, I think saying that is so much easier than doing like <laughs> the, the
1: amount of like, you know, how she trained, like with swimming and running and everything was incredible. Like dedication to that sport and like the physical, like demand for that sport is insane. You know, yeah. so and
0: she, she's incredible. Is that friendship like legitimately from because like she's got to practice at a range and you you sort of are, are practicing together, uh, essentially? Or? No,
1: no, no. So her younger sister, Emily, was a really good shooter. She went to a couple of games. She went to a couple of World Cups. Uh, more than a couple. She went to a lot. And she just missed out on the Rio games, unfortunately. Um, and I met Chloe through Emily Esposito, which was uh, – Emily was their younger sister – And I stayed at their house a couple of times. Um, I went to Emily's 21st. Like, I flew over to Sydney for it and obviously knew Chloe from there. And uh, Chloe was a really good shooter back in the day as well. Like, she, um, before the London Games, she won the quota spot for Australia at the Oceanas, which is a quota spot is a spot at the Olympics, Mm. like, for that sport. She won it in the shooting event because my mum already won it on the international circuit. And then someone from Australia had to win it. And she has participated and shot really well and won the quota spot as well like, in shooting. Wow! If she, yeah, if she if she didn't want to do more tathlon, she Chloe would be a great shooter as well.
0: Jeez, look at this! Just just the family lineage there as well is, is crazy. I'm, I'm also thinking though Sergey too in terms of other sports. I mean, you learn to ski, you could do biathlon as well. You know, I mean? could just kind of I could, I'm thinking yeah. of all these astro- add to the Olympics, like one up your mum and be like, hey, six Olympics, I would see your six, I go to twelve. You know, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> winter, summer, winter, summer, kind of alternate every two yeah, years. Yeah, you know? that'd be incredible. Yeah, for kind sure. Of, kind of works that way. Um, Your favourite sports movie is? Oh, I used to love the movie Goal,
1: which was a soccer movie. Yep, about yep, This yep. kid that fled from Mexico, went to America, and then started playing for Newcastle in England. Um, oh, sorry. So I'll probably have to say that one. Um, I loved She's the Man when I was younger. That was yes. uh, even like that's a classic in that movie. It's so that's such a great movie. Uh yeah. I had I'd a massive say,
0: Amanda Bynes crush growing up, so I would watch anything. Oh, she who did it? So, who did it? Uh, yeah. yeah, for yep. sure.
1: Uh, Green Street Hooligan's is a good one as well.
0: Yeah. All, yep. all they're all soccer movies, to be honest. Well, you know, it's it's you like the sport, you like that. I, I always like <laughs> to sort of pose this question about, you know, is there a, a, a specific shooting movie? But I guess kind of you're in that unique position where they're shooting movies in general. Like, I mean, is there one about the sport of shooting that maybe yeah. people should know about?
1: I mean, in all honesty, though, like with all the action movies like shooting and stuff, if they made a movie just specific for shooting sport, it'd be like the worst action movie ever. It'd be so boring. <laughs> it would suck. <laughs> um, no, there is no movie. If they made one, I'd, I would love to be in it. It'd be pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. The one, I, I always keep tying it in now to to all the James Bond movies. I'm just thinking of the sport. I mean, he shoots in every single movie. So, I mean, basically that's kind of yes. cheating there. But, you know, we're discovering he's done fencing, he's done bobsleigh, you know, kind of horse riding. Like, Jesus, just yeah. tick off he, the... he should do modern pentathlon if anything. He should. He really should. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we've seen him swim. We've seen him shoot, uh, fencing. He's done it all. He, he's a modern pentathlete. Look exactly. at that. Wow. Exactly, yeah. The two greatest modern pentathletes of all time, Chloe Esposito and James Bond. Yes, yeah, definitely uh, tick that off. I like that. I like that. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be?
1: Oh, anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, I love Mexico. Mm-hmm. I went there um, for a competition. Um, I know the listeners won't be able to see, but you can see I've got a sombrero in the background. i have
0: noticed that in the background. I, yes. I, I picked, yes, I picked
1: that up from the country. Um, I love right. Mexico. Um, I think. Tokyo would be an amazing place to live, for sure. Um, obviously, we couldn't uh, we couldn't walk around there uh, out of the village, but from you know just from what I've seen, movies, everything like that, you know, pretty incredible. Um, London, I think, would be pretty incredible. Uh, there's just so many places to live. I think, I think London would be pretty incredible. I'd say London.
0: London, okay. it yeah. Um, when you were little, what was something you always thought?
1: when i was little what was something i always thought i did have this weird um almost like a like a like a fear i wasn't a fan of walking in the dark like you know if it was past nine o'clock i didn't like going outside to walk around my mum was like oh let's go for a walk you know the midnight walk at 10 p.m or something i'm just like no like it's monsters out there you know so like um whenever i went to sleep i woke up middle of the night it was dark, but you could like, kind of see like the outline of certain things. And my chair that had clothes on it, I'd like picture like monsters and stuff. And it would just freak me out. And i would just be like, nah, get under the covers. Because, you know, the covers is the protector. Like, you know, if a murderer yep. comes in, if you're under the covers, they can't get you. Everyone yep. knows yep. that.
0: Yep. So
1: that's, that's something I always had a thought of for sure.
0: I also like the fact that your mum would just be like, "Hey, let's go for a walk at midnight." Uh, she had a lot of energy at that time of night, did she? Yeah, she did. Apparently, like
1: she was just well, she trained all day, and then like you know, she'd just be like, "Oh, what else did I do?" She's very all right, young kids at midnight,
0: heart. everyone, family walk time. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly Get right. Get your shoes exactly. on.
1: <laughs> exactly. Back <Mark laughs> at
0: school. Go for a walk. <laughs> um, the last one here. What is your favorite joke to tell?
1: Uh, favorite joke to tell i would say just a compilation of puns and dad jokes like i think they're they're classics that will just never die
0: you can't get you can't get sick of them they're, they're there for a reason so do you have a favorite yeah. dad joke do you have one that sort of a go-to dad joke
1: i don't have a go-to um oh a classic is just like oh um i'm funny like oh hi funny nice to meet you like kind of like you know like stuff like that that's it's such a stupid joke but it's so good i'm laughing um, so uh.
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and I, th- I think puns i think puns in general well like, he's uh hilarious are they shooting puns like i mean the whole like i, I said one before like oh rating on target yeah, for paris yeah, like, target, I mean- yeah 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 um
1: there's a lot of the obvious ones like you know um the aiming on target whatever but you got your last
0: shot at
1: qualifying. Yeah, last yeah. shot, yeah. Um no, nah, not not that I could think of. It's more like in the moment. I think that's my kind of uh kind of humour. Like I would be a terrible stand up comedian because I would not know what to say. It's more in the
0: moment kind of thing. You'd be a good podcast host then. because uh, Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly don't, right. Don't know what to say half the time and it just, you know, the bullshit comes out and then hopefully yeah. one out of five sticks, right? So yeah, exactly. Kind of exactly how it right. plays out. Uh Sergei, obviously we talked a little bit about your social media. Where where can people follow you? Stay up to date. Watch the funny videos, you know, tag the gram, the TikTok, anything else you got out there?
1: Yeah, so um, I do have a TikTok, surprisingly. So if you want to follow that, go uh, Sergey Sergei dot Yvglevsky. So the last name is E V-G L E V S K I. And that's the exact same for my Instagram. So Sergey S E R G E I dot Remember my last name, EVG E-V-G-L-E-V-S-K-I. Um, good thing, though, is that uh, you type in Sergey. I don't think there's a lot of them that pop up anyway. So I think I'll be one of the first ones up there anyway. So we're all good.
0: Yeah, if you follow a lot of Olympians, it's kind of all uh, sort of connected that way. So it kind of works. Sergey, it has been a lot of fun chatting with you today to, to learn about your career and obviously your Olympic experiences. And... I'm going to go and watch a bunch more of these videos because I think they've got plenty here to entertain me ahead of uh, Paris in 2024, where we look forward to seeing you go on to keep that tradition of the second Olympics bronze medal and then keep going further uh, towards Brisbane and bringing home multiple medals in the future. Exactly right. Well, hopefully, hopefully, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much and uh, enjoy the videos as well. A massive thanks to Sergey there for his time. A lot of fun. I always love speaking to athletes from sports. We haven't really spoken to. Yes, we did have Catherine on obviously five years ago, but different style of shooting where we haven't really talked to someone from it before. So uh, always informative and exciting. And I still can't believe that shooting's not at the Commonwealth Games next year. You think I would know that? I should be on the ball. I should know what's going on in these sporting events. But I'm actually legitimately shocked that shooting is not in Birmingham. So uh, that is a big disappointment. Maybe it will make me tune out of Birmingham a little bit. Maybe. Who knows? But uh, what am I kidding? I'll be watching Birmingham. It's always a great event. The Commonwealth Games. Uh, Next episode, we'll have another interview for you. Plenty more to come as we uh, keep firing them out between now and Beijing. So many great athletes coming your way that you will not know where to begin. And if maybe you don't know where to begin, you want to go back and listen to some past episodes. If you want to go back into the archives and listen to our Catherine Skinner chat from 2016, that was a great chat. I do remember that one fondly. Or any of our other athlete interviews that we've had post-Tokyo, in the lead up to Tokyo, or maybe sort of in the lead up to Beijing, where obviously got some winters and some summers on. So kind of uh, keeping everybody excited and busy right now. Search her off the podium on all the good podcast platforms out there. While you're there, hit subscribe. You'll never miss an episode. Leave us some feedback. Leave us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And of course... Social media off the podium. Search for us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Not on the TikTok yet. The TikTok, apparently. that sound that old saying it. Uh, but who knows? Maybe one day we'll get our act together and uh, get ourselves a, a TikTok. Still my favourite Kesha song. That is a dad joke. That one does not die, apparently. Uh, big thanks again to Sergey and to everyone for listening in. My name is Ben. This is Off the Podium. And as always, go left.